Welcome to the Scuff Podcast, where we talk about U.S. soccer. Our guest today is Michele Giannone, a reporter and producer for Univision who has been covering the USMNT closely since January camp 2018. He's a native of Italy, grew up in Venezuela, and has been in the U.S. since 2011. He has lived in Florida, Mexico City, and Tijuana. Now he lives in San Diego. Michele, welcome to the show. <laughs> How are you guys? Uh, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's really an honor to be here. I'm a big fan of your work, and, and I'm excited to be here. Well, M- Michele, that's a, I'm a big fan of your work, first of all. Yes. Second of all, <laughs> eyewitnesses have had you as among the strongest performers at the Scuff Soccer Tournament at the Orlando Tailgate. You know, congratulations. Um, I'm not sure how much of an accomplishment that is, but it was clear to me from hearing that, that you must have been playing the game for a while. When and where did that start? Man, you know what? My, my, my main goal, and I appreciate it, uh, your kind words. My main goal was be better than Sam Stagecall and Poltenorio, which wasn't hard. Mission accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> mission, mission accomplished. So, yeah, man. And, and you know what? I was surprised that I didn't suck. Uh, that much that was my first time playing in like almost three years really between moving a lot you know just said it and on the road that much i haven't been able to play as much as i did but yeah man as, a, as an italian kid you know if, if you're italian and you don't play soccer you get <laughs> uh, you get kicked out of the house you get <laughs> disowned by your family so i grew up playing soccer can you give us an idea of how like what the latest numbers are on how uh univision's live soccer watching audience compares to its english language counterparts because i think it's easy for people to overlook this on mls it's pretty even between espn fox and and us at um univision unimas or or tdn Uh, mls games tend to the numbers tend to be the same you know that mls fans are just watch mls period yeah but and you get like 200 300 400k per game depends you know if galaxy's playing uh, lafc those are the teams obviously that that pull up the best numbers but when a mexican team plays um like with leagues cup showcase in la when it was first galaxy against chivas that double header and then lafc america that double header pulled almost two million people and which was insane. Uh, the other day I did back-to-back Cincinnati at Chivas, and then at the next day it was uh, RSL Atlas, and those games made almost like a million people each. So that's why you see Liga MX and Major League Soccer pushing for more Leagues Cup, for most Campeones Cup, for most putting more money into CCL, and next year this insane summer tournament of, of the big, now the, now how the Leagues Cup, is going to be um, because here in the U.S., when, when, when a team, when a Mexican team is playing, um, it's, the numbers are insane. Numbers are absurd. So, yeah, that's, but, that's, but on, that's a huge But on, on Teu Deane or, uh, or, or on Unimas, because like ESPN wouldn't get as good of numbers on those games, right? No, against, yeah, the, the Leagues Cup, I remember it was like, we got like 2 million and ESPN got like 250. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot. The difference, what about, it's, it's a lot. What about for the national team, like the U.S. men's national team? I will, I will, you, I will, I will say it's the same. Uh, normally, like an uh, average number for the U.S. M&T, it's around a million people, 1.2. Uh, 
for example, I find that every time they play against Mexico, that number surpasses 2 million, depends. Mm-hmm. Um, and ESPN gets 200, 300,000 people. So yeah, that, that has to give a sense of, of people of who's watching. And the people that are, that are mostly watching are uh, Spanish-speaking people, you know, that, that Mexican family with the normally that first-generation kid that is rooting for the U.S. or probably rooting for Mexico also. Yeah. But, um, or basically, the, the way I see it is honestly, and this is not a disservice to, to the people at ESPN, to Fox. I have plenty of friends there. They're incredible. But I, I think our, our, our work is better. Our broadcasts are just better. The excitement that our play-by-play guys bring... Uh, the things that we do, we do for M- dude. For I've been doing, I did over thirty major league soccer regular season games this this year, and even for for games like our um, Sporting Kansas City against Houston, every game we do a one hour pregame show. For the USMNT, yeah. we have even two hour pregame shows. When it's a Mexico USMNT game, we're tw- it's twenty four seven. So I think that people. Um, do take notice out of that you know you yeah. at, at least even if you don't speak the language i think you can get and enjoy the content that we're putting on or for example the last mls cup you know um we treated again this is not a knock against the people that work at espn or fox because they don't make those decisions the decisions are made by the the network and the front offices and all the suits the last MLS Cup, we did two and a half hour pregame show. And ESPN got in late because there was like a, a NASCAR truck racing thing going on. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I think right. at the end, people just get tired of it. And, and, and yeah, I'm really proud of the work that we do. Again, this is not a knock and this is not being me a homer. But I guess you, as people that watch the coverage, you also kind of agree, you know? Um, with this i i always i always appreciate those those pregame shows you know even though i can't i can't really understand much of what's going on to my to my eternal shame but um they're all they're under different constraints than you guys right like they have the i'm talking about like espn and fox they have a different it's a different equation it's a different market but but so is it fair to say like for a national team game is four to it's like four to one four spanish speak spanish language yeah. viewers to every one English language viewer? Yeah, I will say four to five um, okay. with the national team. And, and, and when, when it's, it's Mexico, it's like... And when it's Mexico, US, like a League's Cup type. Yeah, normally the number goes between uh, four to five. And when it's Mexico against the US, whew, 10 to one. That number, yeah. I don't know if it gets 10 to one, but it's, I'm pretty sure it gets closer to seven to eight for sure. Could Darlington Nagby, Nagby really be a starter on any big team in the world? <laughs> um, five years ago, I think he could. Not right now. Okay. But um, you know what? Darlington Nagby is the most impressive player that I've seen here in the U.S. play live. And you know what was interesting also? At the MLS All-Star Game in Minnesota on the broadcast, we had like a, um, on the All-Star Skills Challenge, we're interviewing players like while the, the all-star challenge was happening and between breaks. And I remember we had uh, Sebastian Driussi and I think the other one was also Emmanuel Reynoso that we asked, like, who's... I mean, you're surrounded by all the all-stars, the best players in the league, arguably. 
who was the, the guy that impressed you the most in both set, Darlington Nagby? Um, he's, um, I saw him very closely um, in the MLS East Pack tournament that I was there in the bubble and on the sidelines. And I think Columbus was during the group stage the best team in the tournament. And this is it. I, what I saw from Nagby, like you cannot dispossess, dispossess him. It's, it's, right. it's ridiculous. It's, he's, he's like Neo in the Matrix. Like he's, he's, he looks like he's moving in slow motion. But but he he always comes up with the ball. He knows where where's to place his body. He's he, and and I remember, um, I remember you know Greg Berhalter was was there at the MLS back in tournament. He saw the whole group stage, right? Mm-hmm. And this this is a true story. I remember because everybody was under the same hotel. It was a bubble. Once you were in, you couldn't leave. So you were running to people all the time in the lobby. You were living basically with the players with with all the those Greg and his coaching staff. And I remember telling Greg, he's like, man, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta convince Nagby to go back. And he, he's replying, I swear to God, this, I swear to God, this is what he said. He's like, man, can you imagine that midfield Nagby, Taylor and McKenney? That will be something special, isn't it? And I was like, yes. So make it happen. <laughs> and and yeah, actually, he tried that, that. That was the last time he tried to convince Darlington to come back, and just he said no, once again. Huh. You've you've had a lot of uh, interaction with Berhalter, right? Yes. And yeah. What's your um, what's your general impression of him that we you know you don't get to see on in press conferences or on TV? He's a very nice, thoughtful guy. Um, like every training session, for example, especially if it's at um, I've had to cover um, even the January camps, which are the worst to cover. Nobody's there. Nobody gives an F about January camp. It's always like me by myself, actually. Uh, sometimes you're 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 just down the road, though, right? Because yeah, usually have no, it's, it's usually like in in they do it here in 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 where the Olympic uh, like Olympic training thing is here and. By the border with San Diego, between San Diego and, and Tijuana, or they do it normally also in LA for the past. There, I remember my first one in 2018 with Sarakan. Sarakan was still there. Um, they did it in Manhattan Beach, um, but they've done it here also close in, in San Diego. So he's a very thoughtful guy. Like you, every time, like normally before every training session, you get like 10, 15 minutes uh, to get in and, and shoot some B roll and, and see you know, the warm-up, and he will always, always come and say hi, like, thanks, the media, thank the people um, to, for, for being here. I remember one time I moved from Tijuana to San Diego on, after the Gold Cup 2019, and I remember I was telling him, because he, he told me he lived in San Diego for a while. I don't remember what were his circumstances, but he lives in San Diego for, for a few years. And I was speaking about with him about that. And then I didn't see him for, and I told him that I was moving. I didn't saw him for, for months, then COVID hit, et cetera. And the next time I saw him and he actually was like, Hey, how the moving went? Like, how's everything? How's the family? I was like, wow. You know, like this, this guy has a lot of stuff in his mind. And one thing that I'm going to say, he's just a mania. Like he, he works 24 seven, which I think it's, it, it's, going against him lately because i think he's overthinking too much things 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, he he's he's an insane worker. Like I, I shared this this story on Twitter the other day. Um, I was speaking with a with a national team player. He hasn't been around uh, lately, but he he's he's been around um, for 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 a lot uh, under Berhalter. And after an MLS game, he this is the weekend where he was in Scotland. Uh, you know that that the day after Rangers Celtic uh, that he yep. had dinner with with Sands and. CCV and 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 Mal- and Tillman. Oh yeah. So I um I did an MLS game that day, and the game the player was playing on this game, and then I I ran into him and we were talking, and it was like seven p.m. six p.m. where we at, and for Berhalter, it was probably like three a.m. in Scotland, and he called this player. Like he called this player and it's like, hey, um, I just watched some highlights of the game. Like you did this, you did that. Like, um, like he wanted to talk. Like this is something that you could like send a text. Like, hey, good game today. I would have liked to see this, this and that. No, he, he like called this player and he wanted to like talk in detail what this player did and did not on this game. On a, on a MLS game on, on, on week 28th it was insane that the amount of work that this guy puts into it um so yeah i i think what people will be surprised is how how different he is um from what you can see in the media he's very thoughtful he's very nice i'm not saying he's not nice when he's on on the media we've seen joke about it what can you yeah he's pretty nice He's, he's pretty nice, but, but I think he's more thoughtful and less robotic, you know, less robotic and less uh, cliche and, and always, you know, that, that coaching speak, that what you see on, in, in media. That's, I guess that's, that's my answer. Like he's, he's, really... he's, ahead, he's, sorry. he's a, sorry, um, I got you off. He's, he's, a, um, he's always like doing jokes. Like I'm, I'm a big sneaker head. So um, every time I, like I'm wearing sneakers, he's like, um, oh, I, I like those. And, and, and he would, he, he will like start talking to you about things that are, you will say like are mundane. Like you wouldn't even think that this guy will spend like a minute interested what's in something the, that. What, what's the most mundane thing he's ever said to you or talked to you about? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. It's, it's been almost five years. Um, man, I don't. Okay, that's the, maybe not. I have to think about it. I'll think about it. Okay. I'll think about it. I, I get. I let's let's see if I can if I can remember something. I would more. just like a list of the most boring things Greg Berhalter has ever said to you. I just think <laughs> that'd be great. I think people would really enjoy it. Uh, but that's a. It would be it would be tough to just have that ready to go. Yeah, that's a tough one to keep. Oh, in I mind. have I have I have a, I have a good um I have a good uh uh story about him and sneakers if if you want if you want a good story that's exactly of course we do yeah um so oh i have two stories about him to 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 give you an idea what 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 the guy is like he's he's really a nice a nice a nice guy i'm not saying that but what you see in the media is not but but i think he's people will be surprised how thoughtful he can be i i was in this was the game do you remember the game well of course you remember uh, the Nations League game against Canada in Orlando, that it was a must win, right? And, yep. And we won. I don't 4-1, remember. I believe. Yeah, and, and, that, and, and I don't remember where we were, but I, we went to Orlando and I said, man, it's going gonna, gonna to be 
hot in Orlando. Like I'm just gonna wear shorts and, and t-shirts. And and I was in shorts and t-shirts, and then as the you know that it gets night and it gets starts to get chilly. And I was like, man, what that what the f? I'm I'm like cold. And I was like literally in shorts and, and t-shirt. And the game is about to start. We're sitting in Orlando. You are sitting between the two benches, on, but on the stands, you know? You're not, like, standing up like a normal silent reporter. That You don't have that in Orlando. But you're very close. Like, you're literally sitting next to the bench. And I'm like, the game, I, I swear to you, the game is about to start. The ball is already on the, on the midfield, about to start. They were waiting for the red hat to, to for, for, you know, for the TV was holding the game for, like, 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And he turns around. And he sees that I'm like shaking or like trying to get warm, and the 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 games the, the game starts. The referee blows the whistle, and he's like talking to me. He's like, "Hey, are you okay?" And like, "I'm I'm good, coach." No worries. Like, "Do you need something? Do you need a jacket? Do you need pants?" And he's like talking to the to the to the to the guys of the the to the guys in the bench, the 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 guys that are in charge of the you know the equipment the, manager, the equipment yeah. the equipment manager. It's like, hey, get get him some some pants or 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 or, or just the, the game is already going on. It's like I was like, coach, I guess you should you need to like turn around and pay attention to the game. Like this is a very important game, <laughs> and and he was like more concerned at that point. I'm not saying that he was more concerned about me than the game, but at that moment he noticed it and he was and he was like legit concerned and giving instruction to equipment guys like, hey, find him a, a jacket or something. And the game is already started, and. And those those sort of times. That's a great like, story. The, those sort of times that 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 and you that, that, that you know, Gr- Gr- Berhalter is he's so he's so weird, man. Like in Minnesota, when he he went out and, and he started taking the pictures <laughs> with fans, and the game hasn't even finished yet. And my other story, um, we were in a January camp. It was a game before I think it was the game where Uliyanes scores the PK. It ends up being okay. 1-0. I think yeah. it's 20, 2020. Yeah, that's, that's the generic, that's generic game be, be, before COVID. Um, Uli Janis scored a PKs, and before the game, I'm in the, in the middle of the game, and I'm wearing new sneakers that are pink with flowers, and the national anthem is playing, and I'm just like, you know, like national anthem pose, looking at the flag, and I, I, have, I have the bench of the U.S. on, on my back, and then I hear steps. This is a national anthem playing. I hear steps, and and somebody from behind is like, "Nice sneakers," and he rushes back. And I turn around. He was he was Berhalter. It's like wait, wait, during, wait. during the national anthem. It's like are you telling me he came up to compliment you on your sneakers during the national anthem? But super sneaky because I was like like two feet away from him, but I was but he was behind me, so he just took two steps and he would like whisper in my ears like, "Hey, nice sneakers." And they were like, what, what the fuck? And I turn on and they see him and he's just laughing. <laughs> and he was like, he's, he's a weirdo, that. man. He's, he's a weirdo. So, but, but yeah, those, those are two, two stories that, that people, I think, you would appreciate how, how this guy sometimes is, you know, is him. How do you, <laughs> the fact that he remembered that you were moving like six months yeah. later, that is, that is pretty impressive. I'm really curious what this mysterious gap in his resume is that he was in san diego for a while i don't i don't know where that would have been but we need to get to the bottom of it because yeah you should a lot man. of questions you for should. Us. 
That's your next assignment. That's your next how, assignment. <laughs> yeah. How do you? How are you feeling heading into the World Cup? Do you think um, uh, pessimistic? Very pessimistic. Um, when the group stage, when the draw came out, I said the U.S. wasn't uh, passing the group stage, and I f- I believe that, especially after watching the last window. I don't think this team um, can handle international soccer the way they should, um, and it's not a fall of their own. Like you know, the the players hate it, the the, the coaching staff hate it. It's just nations league. You know, just been you've been playing Concacaf soccer for such a long time, and the last time you played a European team was Switzerland, and they just basically, if I remember correctly, they just it was I, I, the U.S. score with Sebastian Leggett the the first five minutes or something, and then just yes. it was it was a destruction. And I don't think this yeah. team can can compete in, in the international level yet, uh, the way that they should. And that's another conversation about system, about about players. But I don't I don't think I after I said that at that point, and especially after seeing the last window, I'm not confident at all. I don't think we're passing the group stage. Which first, let me say that first, I'm a fan of the USMNT. Like, and I, it doesn't matter who the coach is. I'm a fan of the U.S. men's national team. After Italy, that's my my nation, <clears throat> and I want them to do well. I'm going to Qatar, and I want to enjoy and live through the the World Cup. And and the far the U.S. goes, the better for me, you know. Yeah, of I'm, course. And and if they don't advance the group stage, I'm gone after two weeks. So I'm selfishly rooting against that, and and unselfishly as a fan rooting for the U.S. to go well. But I'm not. I'm not. I'm not feeling it right now. Yeah, I don't know how many people are, but what have you have you been a Burhalter? Have you been one of those folks that's thought Burhalter has over overemphasized system? Yes, all along. Yes, um, and I and I said it all along, and it's part of the when people sometimes you know social media can be a hard place to navigate, as you you might know. You guys might know. Super easy for me. See. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, you know, I, I, I admire sometimes you don't, you don't give an F. You just, it's like, it's, it is what you believe in and that's not. And I, and I admire that, you know, that just, just don't, don't. Oh, I'm very cautious. Very, very yeah. cautious. And yeah. I've, I've learned to, to be that. And, and, you know, being around the team and what I've, what I've always said about the fans, and this is something that some fans think that I've been. Um, protective of of the coaching staff or or being a Berhalter fanboy or whatever, but I don't care. Um, my like like I've always said, my resume is there, and and the way I I give information or anything, it's right there. I have a good track record. Is that he? I don't I don't feel and this this is my my way of seeing it. I don't think there are gray areas with him. Um, I think it's always been easy to read him and to follow the cr- the crumbles and and his. And his and his the type of work, like he does, you know, he's he's overconfident in his system. He's overconfident in his guys, in the way he does things. And and you 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 could you could sense like the like the way he starts to to like get rid of players. Um, like for example, the way he started to like push out at the moment Michael Bradley, then he did the same with Will Trapp, then he did the same with Ewell, then he did the same with Des, then he did the same with Brooks. You start seeing patterns, right? The way he answers questions, the way he utilizes players 
Um, like the last time after the, the last, um, the window, I think it was the window in March with, for example, Sebastian Leggett didn't even dress. Like I said, he's not coming back ever on Robert Halter. Um, when you see things, especially on the field, um, with, with the John Brooks things, what, what I meant to say with John Brooks is like, I never said the guy because I think people got a, got the right um, idea. I never said, don't ask for John Brooks, for John Brooks. Don't push for John Brooks. I said, guys, it's not going to happen. And you have to accept that fact. I'm not saying you cannot be mad about it, keep asking questions, but no matter what you do, he's not going to call John Brooks in. And, and it's the same was it, thing. Was it the pattern of how he moves players out that made you think that? Or was there, others, there other things that were going on what, what that I saw made with, you sure? What I saw with John Brooks, especially against the game in Cincinnati against Canada, um, I saw a, a, a player that, this is my opinion, um, this is not a word, I saw a player that wasn't clicking with what the coach one wanted from him on the field and he wasn't giving uh the right vibes <laughs> the right eyes on i remember specifically one that john brooks tries to play a long ball and he 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 he, he went over the head i think at the moment i think it was brendan aronson or something the ball almost went to a stance and berhalter turns around to to yell at him or something and john brooks just he just threw his arms up in the air like you know like Get the fuck out of here, you know. Um, and I, I just, I just saw a, a player that wasn't uh, fitting on what the coach wanted, and and then you, and then again, you you see that both John Brooks and James Sands, for example, gets uh, those. Those were the two, the two uh, halftime substitutions after that disaster first half in Honduras. So. After that moment, those, those are the little crumbs that, you know, when, when you do that to a player, I think that's a, that's a, that's a massive flag and a dagger um, to, 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 I don't know, to, to what I was thinking already. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I've been, I'm overthinking all of that, but I've been right. And yeah. I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know. So I, I, just, I just think that... Um, Verhalter is, is just going to die with his idea. He's going to sink with the ship, with his idea, with his system. And if a player is not online with that, he's, he's not going to be on the team. That's, it's, it's, it's basic as it sounds. And I do believe that right now he's making a mistake of putting system over the player pool and over the, 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 the talent that he has. And it's frustrating to watch, and I've been vocal about it. And I don't think the national team, it's a place where you put system over the players that you have. And, and, I, and let me give you a quick example. Italy, my, my nation, my, 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 my blood. Italy has never in their life, never in the history of Italian soccer, play at 3-5-2. Never, right? The last window, the last nation, Nations League games, and you can, you can go look at this. They had to play against England, and they had to play against Hungary at Hungary. They had uh, different players missing from injuries, suspensions, etc. And Mancini, with three days training, without never playing the system, 
he switched to a 3-5-2. They beat England and they beat Hungary against Hungary. That's the way to do it, in my opinion. Like if Italy can do it, and, and the Italian national team coach, which I'm not, not a fan, but that's another uh, discussion. You cannot treat the national team as a club. And I think that's a mistake that Berhalter is doing. And, and, and I just throw that Italy example there. Like you have a national team coach that needed to win two games. Um, the team has been sucking for a long time. He hasn't tried the, the right mix after winning the Euro. He, they're not going to World Cup after that, that disaster. And he said, you know what, the, the talent, the, the pool of players that I have with me right now is better suited to play at 3-5-2. They play at 3-5-2 for the first time in history after two, three training sessions. They beat England, they beat Hungary at Hungary, and they're now in the, national, in the Nations League Final Four next year. So that is frustrating to watch at the USMNT right now that we don't get to see those plan C, plan B. It feels that we're just stuck on a gear and it's very frustrating to watch you know that that first half in honduras which you brought up which brooks and sands both got subbed off of after um you know we've talked about greg velasquez in particular has talked about this a lot on the podcast but this is that was a that was a half where nobody really looked good and and sands was set up kind of to not that i'm some big james sands fan but sands was kind of set up to fail brooks you know, Brooks stepped that one time to sort of fill the gap and got beat and they scored. I don't know. It just seems like a weird, it's weird to run a different formation with a kind of an empty midfield and then essentially clear out two players because of their performances in that game. I, it's, I don't understand that. I don't understand that how that even squares with the idea of someone who's too rigidly, um, you know, wedded to their system. I'm not. I'm not arguing with you, Miguel. I just sort yeah, of yeah, yeah. No, speaking no, no. into the void. I think. I think like I've reported in the past. I think that John Brooks goes um, farther than that. But I'm gonna leave it at that because I don't want to keep. Um, um, I, I just want to get that to bed. And I've I've been right all alone. And and even if I get calls, messages, and people screaming at me, I've been right all along. And I know that. So there, there was more there that 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 just that those games against Canada and against Honduras, but I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, what is frustrating to me is that um, again, it's I feel that we have a, a really good, talented player pool, which I think we've overrated a little bit, by the way. And I heard you've you've talked a little bit with overhyped this player pool a little bit, um, and that's part of the, of my. Of my discourse about not being ready for for international soccer which again is not the players pool fault although we have a lot of players played in the highest level of europe but as a national team um it's it's just frustrating to watch that that we don't again we don't we're, we're what i'm seeing is that i'm seeing ghosts from 2018 and 2019 uh i'm seeing those ghosts of a coaching staff trying to implement assistance that the players that that are not fitting the players and their players are not getting it or they don't like it or are struggling to understand and and when you get hit in the face by a level above concacaf which is not hard to find in international soccer then you get this right you think it's again who has who have you beat 
beaten, right? Um, I always tell people, remember, this team came in third in the hexagonal, below the worst Mexico that I can remember, uh, below Canada, obviously, um, not winning on the road, not winning on the road, um, against Honduras, El Salvador, Costa Rica, all in the middle of generational change. We should have dominated and destroyed everyone in the hexagonal just by the talent that we have. And, and, and not seeing that was frustrating. And I understand that winning is it's like a makeup to everything, right? We won in 2020 that incredible summer Nations League and Gold Cup. We didn't, but we didn't play well. We weren't playing well. Just go back and watch the Gold Cup games. Like Qatar was better than us. Like Matt Turner save um, had like four or five unbelievable saves. They hit, they, they missed the PK. Jamaica was Jamaica mm-hmm. was better than us. Uh, Mexico was better than us on the games, but we just we just scored and they didn't because again on Gold Cup Mark Turner was unbelievable and on Nations League final, then 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 we have that Orbath beside besides the PK he had another incredible save, um, and winning those tournaments and qualifying for the World Cup it was just an ecstasy and something that the fan base was just waiting to celebrate something you know especially going back to World Cup that we've become I think a little bit blind of what this team has been tactically and, and quality-wise. And that's why I'm not super positive going to a World Cup. Mm. Hate uh, to see it. I'm, my worry is that you sound like you're right. <laughs> and again, and again, I, I'm, I'm rooting for selfish yeah. professional reasons and unselfish fan reasons because because i'm really i'm a fan again after this country has embraced me i've been here for over a decade i love the usmnt and and they're my defecto team with without italy in the world cup the usmnt are my team without venezuela in the world cup the usmnt the us is is my team so i wish them the best but but yeah those i'm very frustrated of what i'm seeing and i think again that berhalter has done a really good job and honestly because at the at the end, what you know, what trophies and results matter. But if we look more into depth, we should be better and we should be ahead than where we are right now. In my opinion, do you, do you do you know how many days early you're going to get to Qatar? I'm landing on the thirteenth, uh, November thirteenth. So eight days before Wales. Yes. Okay, so you if have it, some if prep it, time. If it, serve, if it serves of, of some kind of a, of a positive message, my uh, 2DN index is expecting that both Mexico and the U.S. go past the World Cup um, stage because my, my, <laughs> my return flight is already bought, not, not by me, by them, um, on December 5th. So that, that will be the day after the round of 16. <laughs> I see. So they just assume that that's when the loss happens. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of the, the pattern for both Mexico and the U.S., right? Yeah. Go to the round of 16 and then just get summarily dispatched. Does that mean you get to stay until then either way? Or are they uh, going to redo your flight? No, man. In, in, in Tudian, there's no, it's not just no such enough day off in Qatar or, or, or on the road. No, they're going to put you to work. <laughs> they're going to assign me to, to another team probably. Because in Qatar, it's going to be easy, right? All the teams mm-hmm. are going to be close by and you don't have to fly. So probably if the U.S. doesn't go through a group stage, I'll be assigned to another team for a, for a round of 16. 
Because, man, those plane tickets are expensive. Let me tell you that. You're st- and you're staying in Qatar? Your hotel is in Qatar, not like Dubai or something? Yeah, in Qatar. Actually, we're staying... Um, I'm staying with um, the... The U.S. Soccer Federation did two hotels, one for the players and the coaching staff exclusively, and another hotel for like family, media members, and, and everything that you still have to pay. But mm. they, they help with, uh, with their TV partners and uh, the media partners and family, player, family, et cetera, to, to own another hotel. So, yeah, we're staying very close to the team's hotel in, in Doha. Yeah. How does it work when uh, when you... Will you like go over to the hotel and you get to interview some people or are you kind of on your own? You just show up to their trainings and how, how much access do you get basically? Um, normally the uh, for the World Cup, it's, it will be the same as, as a World Cup qualifier or, or anything or a official tournament. You get normally 10 to 15 minutes of each training session. So you go to training and normally like uh, the day before the game, which is called match day minus one, it's where the, the the coaches and the, and the captain or one player gives you like you know the official press conferences but with between like between games or 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 yeah on, on those on other days like we normally have if you're a tv partner and you're broadcasting the game that you need like accesses and, and interviews for features you will do like interview with with players like one sit downs one-on-one at their team hotel normally yeah after training like in the afternoon they normally train 9 10 a.m so yeah after that's that's normally what you do you'll do during the day and then you you work on the features uh sometimes with 2dn especially in, in univision because for us it's basically 24 7 soccer coverage so we have to fill out a lot a lot of time on the air so we're doing a lot of live hits and doing like uh interviews for shows or doing podcasts and and or, or multimedia etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah that's that's normally uh Normally, a, a day covering the USMNT will be like going, going to training, wake up, going to training, first 10, 15 minutes to watch warm-ups, interact with people, with players, shoot some B-roll, the camera, and then you go back. And then in the afternoon, you come back to the team's hotel. You do sit-down one-on-ones with players, and then you do live hits, stand-ups, interviews, etc. for for TDN, Univision. Normally, if you're on the Eastern East. East Coast, which is Eastern time, the last show finishes at, at midnight. If you're in the West Coast, even better because the last show is at 9 p.m. So you end up, you finish your workday um, earlier. But normally, yeah, it's a whole 12, 14 hour day work for when do it's you, that type of Do tournament. you prepare, prepare heavily for each of your live hits or is it more of a vibe thing? It depends on the show. It depends on the show because if it's, if it's on TUDN or... Because their shows are super, super light. So it's more of like vibes and people just want to talk shit about it. You know, most of, most of our, our shows are based in Mexico. So it's basically me and or, or Danny Nora, my, my, my co-worker with the USMNT, just fighting with the Mexican people that are talking shit about the USMNT. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but there are some shows that they want, they want you like in the main Univision new, newscast uh, that it's, that you know those newscasts that it's all 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 politics and 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 weather and then you have like a five minute you know the sports segment the five minutes yeah. segment, and you gotta be like super informative you have like a minute to give like the information of the day so yeah you have you have both but it's more 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 relaxing um because most of the of the tdn shows are more like nowadays are more like relaxed more like chit chat 
you know, give crap, you give crap to them about Mexico. They, they throw it back to you giving crap about the USMNT. And so basically that, <laughs> that's about it. So you don't have to do a lot of prep because the prep, you already got it. Like what you, what you saw in training, right? What, yeah. what, what you, you spoke with the players on the sit-downs one-on-one. So the, the material just comes to you. But you get a little, probably get a little more nervous for the, for the big, the big broadcast on the Univision. You know what? I get more anxious and nervous like doing this than, than doing live TV. I swear to you. And it's, this? and it's, and it's because the, the, I think it's, I'm very self-conscious about the, I'm still about my English. And, and sometimes I try and I feel frustrated about, because you have all the terminology and the way to, to analyze the game in Spanish. And sometimes you don't find the words or the right terminology to, to explain it or, or, or put, put in, in words what you have in your mind when you have to speak your second or third language. So yeah, I very, I'm very anxious when I do like these things or when I do work with, I work with MLS in English and yes, or yesterday that I did the, the Tom Bogart uh, podcast. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sweating. Uh, almost sweating oh, doing this. You do with a better you. job at English than both of us do. So <laughs> no, no. Uh, so because you know, and this is this part of what you heard in the in the in the Tom's podcast. Uh, for me, it's been a challenge, and and that's also one of the things that I that I've learned and that I've grown in the last two years, especially with the MLS and interacting more with with MLS people, with Twitter in English, with with you guys, um, trying to be that bilingual and and trying to. To, to grow as a professional and as a person because it has given me the opportunity to meet wonderful people like, like, like you guys and interact with you guys. Um, well, I've noticed now that you do do your social media in English. I didn't think about it because it just felt yeah. like, and you do it so naturally, but it's, I, <laughs> it hadn't occurred to me that you would possibly be self-conscious about it, but you, you do a fantastic job. I appreciate, I noticed, I appreciate it. Thank uh, you. Michele, I noticed you used the word exigente to explain your, how you are about espresso. Yeah. And that I had I looked it up while you were talking. That that means demanding. Demanding, demanding in, yes, in English. Demanding. Yeah. See that that's my English failing me. <laughs> yeah, you're su- you're succeeding magnificently, <laughs> I would say. Um you're you know, you're you're an immigrant to the USA. You've lived here for a while now. I feel like, you know, soccer aside, this country needs some encouragement. Can you and can you encourage us? And by us I mean me personally, about my country. <laughs> about oof it's it's been it's been two years huh <laughs> um i remember i remember being in mexico i was still living in mexico when the when the um, 2016 election happened right yeah and i remember i tweeted something or at that time facebook was still a thing i believe and it was like um like damn you really did it us you really did it man you 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 elect that person you you like you achieve it like this is something else and but you know what until you leave it here it's it's not something else it's even like a twilight twilight zone um but i will i will say that I always, man, it's, it's difficult because I, you want to be super positive, but those, these two years have been so rough on everyone um, that it's, and now, for example, I, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know how to put it, but I do believe, still believe 
that the U.S. it's um, if it's not, it was, and it can be again the best country in the world. It's um, it's a country where people like me are welcome mostly with open arms, um, and it's sadly that a lot of politicians lately have weaponized the 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 immigrants on yeah. their favors um, and and doing all those shit those shits like like that asshole in in Florida. But I still I still believe in this country. I've had the opportunity is to leave since I came here and I stuck with it. And I do believe that we're that the majority is on the is on the good side. And me as an immigrant I'm, I've always been um appreciative of what this country has done to me, what it's gonna keep doing hopefully uh when I get married, uh when I uh have my kids, I want them to grow here i want them to be american because i think that being an american still matters in the world i think we obviously can be can be infinitely better than what we are and i know that there are more good people than bad people and and we just we just gotta keep fighting the fight and and i think that if it, even if it seemed that with social media and everything else, because we're living in this in this hamster wheel of social media, that we think that the world is ending every five minutes, and uh, and that the the youth or <laughs> in this country has become dumber and dumber, I, mm-hmm. I I don't believe that. I believe that I have the opportunity to to travel. I, for example, I I know this country like like even my own Venezuela or or, or Italy. Um, I've been on every city that that the major league soccer city and 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 most. And when you travel that much and you and again you go to a coffee shop, you you interact with people. I promise you to everyone that is hearing this, um, try to go outside of your of your bubble. This is a huge country. Don't just don't. I know that things don't look great on TV on social media, but go outside. Try to meet people because um, the the majority of people are good of heart and are out there you just gotta you know try to try to look for it and don't mm-hmm. get stuck on this hamster wheel again with social media and and tv and 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 i will never uh, i will never give up on this country i'm hopefully i can i can be here for for the rest of my life my family my kids to to grow here and yeah man i think the u.s is the best country in the world and 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 i stand by it and and yeah, just go outside, try try to open your horizons, meet more people, and don't get stuck of what your side is just feeding you and you're hitting on your on your very um that side of of, of your story, whichever side you go, right? Uh, it doesn't matter. I I don't care. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disrespect you and I'm just gonna and I'm not just and I'm just I'm I'm not gonna give up on you and I'm just I'm I'm not gonna I'm not not gonna pay attention to you because you you think different than me or you're on the other side, like quote unquote the other side. I like to give people chances. Like this country gave me a chance, and you guys are giving me a chance to be on your incredible platform. And, and yeah, man, I, you I were giving it. us a chance. <laughs> and 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 the U.S. is let's go USA, USA, baby. Yeah. I, I still believe. <laughs> Great. Not the, we don't I, we don't necessarily believe this World Cup, but just in the U.S. in general. 
No, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, 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 I know. And yeah. talking World Cups, talking World Cups, this World Cup is gonna be growing pains. Twenty twenty six, baby, we're living that trophy. Um, we could get lucky. We could get lucky in Qatar. We can get lucky, absolutely. I think, especially if we get out of the group stage, the round of sixteen is not looking as critical as, for example, Mexico that will have to face France or something. So we can get lucky, but we gotta get better fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's take uh, a little break. We'll come back and Waki's going to go deep into his Michele dossier. We'll talk about why he was born in Italy, his move to the U.S. and the challenges of that, his support for Lazio, baseball in Venezuela, Carisma Venezolano, how to find the best espresso in a new city, and more. But only for patrons. You can subscribe for as little as $2 a month by clicking on the link in the show notes. You get the full interviews with Jenny Chu and Jimmy Conrad, plus the patron-only Monday review every week. And access to the Discord, which is, which sort of serves as editorial board and intelligence gathering operation for the Scuff Podcast. Thank you for listening, and unless you're a patron, we'll see ya.